Today we're talking about shepherds and, and the, their critical role in, in the story. It's a fascinating story. But I have a question that I would like to ask you just about Christmas. How many of you are, are mailing a gift this year for Christmas to someone? You're mailing it. Okay, a lot of you, high percentage. How, okay, this is where it gets tougher. So you ready? Stay with me here. How many of you are, are insuring it? How many of you just don't worry about it? You just go the cheapest route possible. Okay. Okay. How many of you, it's not the cheapest, it's just who you trust the most and who handles your package as well? Okay. A few of you. Take around that. Now, how many of you would mail something to someone? Let's say it's a diamond or a pearl. It's an item, but its value is at $1,000. You, would, you would you put it in, in the mail and send it? How many of you would? $1,000. A few of you. Yeah, you're saying I would insure it for 2000 I hear you. Okay. How many of you have mailed something if it was worth $10,000? You would trust the system to get it there. Anybody? $10,000. Okay, a few of you. Good. $100,000. You would trust, you would put it in there, you would send it away. Okay. Okay. How many of you have already, already have all your Christmas shopping done, so this doesn't really matter? Oh, look at Oh, my. Seriously, I hate you. No, I'm just kidding. We all hate you. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That's not true. You're amazing. We're proud of you. Thank you. It's powerful. You see, um, I think it's important because there's a point in which a product is so valuable that you just feel like you need to hand deliver it. You, you just can't trust the system. You just, this is too important. And I need to do this in person. Have you ever thought that was something? Maybe it's not an item. It's a statement or a message. Well, God, if you're God, which you are not and I am not, has the most important message of all time that he is about to deliver to this earth. And he puts it into the hands of the shepherds. Now, that might not seem like a big deal to you, but it is. Because God did not go the safest route. God did not go the cheapest route, the easiest route. He did not have insurance on his gift, his son. There were many risks involved in the way God did this. God chose the shepherds to be messengers of this news. Now, I'm not certain why or if I would have ever choose, chosen the shepherds. In Jesus' day, the shepherds were usually hired hands that were considered very poor, uneducated, they lived in tents. They would take turns, typically. Uh, history tells us they would spend about a three-hour shift watching the sheep, especially at night, from predators and thieves. If you look at the shepherds back in, like, Genesis, then you'll find that they started in tents and they started working the land, and many of them ended up building cities, um, even large estates. Many of them were very, very wealthy. But that is not the case with the shepherds we're going to talk about today. Um, Jesus, the message of Christ, would be proclaimed through these shepherds. What was God thinking? Let's just go through three or four things in your outline that will help us understand what God must have been thinking for all this. The first one, the first blank there is the role of the shepherds. What role did they have in this story that would allow God to trust them? And why did God do this? We're going to read through Luke chapter 2. If you have a Bible, just leave it open to Luke 2 and uh, follow along with me. It'll be on the screen as well. Verse 8. 
That night, this is talking about the night Jesus is born. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding, overseeing their flocks of sheep. Now, I'm going to stop reading there. We'll read some more in a minute. It was custom for Jews to send out their sheep to the desert about the time of Passover, which would be about when? What month would that be for us? Passover, Easter. Yeah, about April, late March, April. Uh, it depends on the cycle of the moon and all of that. But the idea here is that they would send all their sheep out to the desert to live in the fields. They would hire these shepherds to, to tend to them, to take care of them. And then they would come back around the first rain, which typically was about October, somewhere in October. The hired hands would accomplish this task for them. Now, their role would simply be to protect the sheep. They uh, would make um, certain that the sheep were feeding on healthy grass. They could move them from valley to valley with arrangements from landowners. They had lots of connections for the summer grazing. Um, they also were in charge of protecting them, keeping them alive, wolves, foxes, anything else, any other predator that might come to harm the sheep. They would attend the sheep. If one broke a leg or was injured or cut on something, they, they had to have the knowledge of tending the sheep. But, but here's the point that I think I want to make about the shepherds. The shepherds were simply doing what shepherds do on the hillside that day. No expectation of anything according to Scripture. Um, they were not meditating on Scripture. They were not memorizing it. They were not asking the Lord to reveal a powerful message to them. They were not fasting for 40 days to connect with God better. There's nothing in the story that indicates they were even having a spiritual moment. Yet, God shows up in their normal, humdrum, everyday life. Now, that to me is significant. And it's powerful. They were not kings or nobles. They were not wealthy. They were not highly taught in the law. Yet God shows up to them. God is making a statement here that He desires a connection with all of mankind. You see, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, those religious people, would never believe this could happen. If God is going to give a message, it would come to them. It would never come through the shepherds, not in Jesus' day. Why? Because they would view that the shepherds are not worthy of such a miracle. And you know what? I think maybe that's why God did it exactly the way He did. It's just to tick off those Pharisees and Sadducees. They deserved it. God's making the statement that every person on the planet Regardless of race, social status, religious background, regardless of personal accomplishment, is valued and matters to God. You guys, you matter to God. You say, well, you don't know I'm messed up here. I'm, you matter to God. Well, you don't know my story, you know my family, my genealogy. It's terrible. My, I come from a lot. You matter to God. And God wants to show up in your normal, everyday, humdrum life if that's what you have. God is there. And the potential is there every day. This blew the shepherds away. Now, we're going to see that. And it's, it's uh, amazing to me. The second point in your outline is this. The response of the shepherds. You know, you talk about their role in this story. But let's look at how they responded to this angelic host. It's fascinating. This is in verse 9. Suddenly... An angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance... By the way, I love the word suddenly. 
It's like, I don't, I don't know why it was suddenly where the angel's going, hey, let's really get these guys on the hillside. Anyway, they could have done this more gradually, I think. But anyway, suddenly they appeared, and the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, rightly so. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. You will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of God, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. Uh, Peace on earth to those whom God has pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village, and they found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. When I read that account, and we read it at Christmas, we hear it, we're familiar with it, there are three kind of takeaways that I think we can learn from the shepherds. And, and they're in your notes. We must learn to, to do three things. Number one, if we're going to be used by God, we must face our fears. It's, it's just part of walking with God. Now you say, what level of fear is this? Well, there's a lot of kinds of fears that we have. I just know that when, when, this, when the Bible says that suddenly the angel came and it says they were terrified, the King James says they were sore afraid. The word there isn't used much in the New Testament because it means, like we would say, I was petrified. I couldn't move. I couldn't speak. I thought I would die. That kind of afraid. They, they were just <clears throat> held captive. In their emotions for a moment, they, they just were overwhelmed. And one of the things that we must do in order to walk successfully with God is to face the fears that we have in our lives. I started just looking at Scripture and thinking about Moses faced Pharaoh. Didn't want to, but did. Elijah faced Jezebel. Jonah faced Nineveh and other things. King David faced Nathan. Peter faced Paul. Barnabas faced the disciples about rejecting Saul, who would become Paul. The list could go on and on from Scripture. Make your own list. Read through the Bible and think of all the people who had to face their fears. Now, I don't like this at all. Because as a kid, because I grew up in church, right? I grew up going to church, felt like every night of my life. And and uh, I'm thankful for it now, but at the time it wasn't always the greatest. But... One of the things that we had a lot of in our church was missionaries. I love missionaries. We as a church, have we support lots of missionaries, and we, we thank God for that support. But when I was growing up, every missionary that would come, it seemed like was a missionary from Africa or the jungle, and they would roll a snake skin out on the altar. Anybody have this experience in your past? And they would tell us the story of how they were cutting through the jungle with a machete, and it's all they had, and the python was coming. Or the whatever it was. And I mean, it was like, as a kid, I was scared to death. And I can remember praying, praying every night, God, I'll do anything for you, but please don't ask me to become a missionary. (laughs) And then I would hear missionaries, and they would always say this. I remember when I used to pray, God, don't ever ask me to be a missionary. And God called me to the mission field. 
And I'm thinking, I can't win. I am doomed to be a missionary. I'm going to be wrapped up by one of those snakes. Think about this. How many of you have had to face something in your life that you said, I don't want to do this, but for whatever reason, God lined it up and you've had to go through something you didn't want to face? Anybody? Yeah, that's almost all of us. What is that with God? What is that with you? I've been thinking a lot about this this week, and I have a couple thoughts, but the, the first one that came to my mind, and I think the biggest, is this. God has no fear. He is not intimidated about anything or anyone. So when you put your hand in His hand, it's not computing that there should be fear in you because you're with Him. And He knows no fear. So the key is to keep your hand in God's hand. So that you can get a little piece of that. It's like, I remember one night I was scared to death and my dad came in and took me by the hand and walked me through the house. And because he was there, my fears went away. And that's how it is when you walk with God. We need to face our fears. Number two, determine, determine what it is we are looking for. Now, I think this is a big thing in the story. That I'm glad the angel said, you're going to recognize that it's the Messiah by this sign. You're going to find a baby wrapped in, in snuggly strips of cloth, lying in a manger. So what, what's that mean? That means they're going out to look for something specific. Now, I'll try not to belabor this point too much, but I'm telling you, this is a huge thing for us. Because when God calls us to do something, we need to have in mind what it is we're doing. I, we used to, when I was in high school and my, my uh, years of college, a friend and I, his name was John, we had a construction company together. We were framers. And it was just a simple frame the house. We didn't trim it out, finish it, but we got pretty good at framing. And we were trusted by companies to come in and frame their house. Not huge houses, but just an average house. And we could do it in four or five days, six days. And it's so fun because it happened so quick, the framing part of it. Well, we got so good at it that we had to hire some of our friends. And we're young, 18, 19, and we're hiring. One of our friends was named Howard. He knew nothing about construction, nothing. We said, we'll teach you. It's mostly to carry boards and stuff like that. So Howard shows up on the job, and we always did a trick to people who were there on their first day. Now, I, I was more ornery back in those days than I am now. Can you just say thank you, Jesus? Um, I, I, I remember, so we had this all set up every time we hired someone, and we would be kind of in a tense moment, hammering, putting the floor down or something, and John, my partner, would say to Howard, Howard, go in the back of the truck, get in the toolbox, and bring out the board stretcher. <laughs> There's no such thing as a board stretcher, okay? But Howard did not want us to see his ignorance. First day on the job, pride would not let him say, I don't know what a board stretcher is. And so he would get up and he started walking over to the truck. And John and I were going, here we go. Here we go. And he gets in the, in the truck and, and he's looking around and we hear him banging around. I'm looking at him saying, John, hurry, get, it's right there behind the seat. Grab it. Bring it over. He's saying, I can't find it. What's it look like? Here's the point. You can't find it if you don't know what you're looking for. Now, just think about how simple that is. I say to people, well, what do you want in your marriage? Oh, I don't know. What do you want as a single person? What, what do you want to accomplish with your life? I, I don't know. Well, you're not going to find it if you don't know what it is. 
What are some of your goals? What are some of the things that you can make a difference with this Christmas season? What would that be? I don't know. Well, I think God's calling us to be people of vision. So when we walk the walk, we know where we're going and why we're going there. And there's something deep put by God in us that we say, I know what I'm looking for. Amen. Number three, people of action. I learned this from the shepherds. It's just a simple statement that says, when the angels had left, they said, first line out of their mouth, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's go. How many of you are always ready to go? Just pack the car, let's get out of here. I'm glad that they didn't probably listen to someone who probably said, well, you know, we're kind of freaked out right now. Why don't we wait a few weeks and see how it feels? No, they didn't do that. They said, we are going. This is a message from God. I am so thankful I am a part of a church like this church that doesn't just talk it, but we do it. And I thank you for being doers. I thank you for impacting the communities that you live in. Because that's a God mandate on our lives. Being out there and getting it done. Let's be known as being people of action. Not just saying it, but doing it and living it out. And making a difference in our world. That's why God trusted these shepherds. He knew they were doers. The last thing in your notes is is the return of the shepherds. It's kind of a fascinating thing, really, how this wraps up. After seeing Jesus, the shepherds wrote a book and sold millions, made a lot of money. No, no, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. Sorry. Oh, no, that's, that's probably what. Well, never mind. Um, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. And by the way, that's that's. Commentators talk about two kinds of astonishment here. Astonished at the message and astonished that it was the shepherds telling it. Okay, so there's this wow moment. They were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Wow. There's something really powerful here. How do you just go back to work after this? You know, when God uses you, and you have a moment where you know you've been the mouthpiece of God, the feet of God, the hands of God, it's a buzz and you want it to happen every day. But sometimes it's, well, go back to the sheep. (laughs) Go back to the pen. Go back to the tent. It doesn't smell very good in there, but you know what? You've done what I've asked you to do right now. So why don't you get back to work and do the grind again, do the humdrum again. Let's just do life as usual now. Wow. And guess what? They did. I have a feeling, though, on that night, they were like looking to the spot where the angel was the night before, like, is he there? (laughs) And they were probably a little more prepared so they wouldn't be so frightened. But nothing. Why shepherds? Let me wrap it up by telling you this. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Does that sound familiar? They were all shepherds. Did you know that Joseph, who would be the link between Canaan, the promised land, and Egypt when he was there in prison. Joseph was a shepherd. Moses was a prince who made a big mistake and went to the desert 
And before the burning bush experience, Moses became a what? A shepherd. David was a shepherd as a boy. He became king. And the bloodline for Jesus to be born was through David. There's a long history of shepherds. I don't know why. I'm still trying to figure some of that out. I just know that this is probably why in John chapter 10, verse 11 and verse 14, Jesus said this. He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me. I believe Jesus is the great shepherd because he was also the lamb of God slain for the redemption of mankind. Jesus knows both. You can trust him with your life. He loves you and he wants to be your shepherd today. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your empowerment in our lives, for the peace you bring us. And Lord, all the stuff with shepherds today boils down to one simple thing. Will you be my shepherd? From what the psalmist said, that I shall not want. I feel safe with you. I have peace with you. Lead me beside still waters today. Lord, there's people in this room that need that. Just with heads bowed in these auditoriums, just contemplate where you are with the Good Shepherd. Do you trust Him? Are you angry with Him? Are you at peace with Him? Do you like being in His pasture? For those of you that may not know Him as Shepherd, Lord and Savior, pray this prayer that says, Lord, I give you my life today. I confess my sins. By faith, I trust that you were the Lamb of God, that you died on that cross for me, and you rose on that third day. And by faith, I'm going to step across the line today. I give you my life. Others of you are walking with God, but maybe you haven't been a person of action. Maybe fear has locked you out. And today, God's calling you to face a fear that you need to face. As long as you hold the hand of the shepherd, you can do it. How many of you are facing something that you, you just know God's putting it in your heart right now that if, if you'll hold His hand, He'll pull you through it. Just lift your hand if that's you. God bless you. He's with you. He's with you. Lord, help these. Give them empowerment by Your Spirit. Mm. And the last thing is, can God trust you with a powerful message? I think of the shepherds and how they were great stewards of this. Man, they left... They went to where they were supposed to go. They delivered it. They set it. And then they went back to work. Can, can God put a parenthesis in your life where you're willing to walk and go out of your way for a few days and do what God asks you to do? I want the Spirit to prompt us with what that means in terms of just living this out and using our gifts for His purposes and not just our own. Thank you for doing that, you guys. Lord, help us today as we walk with you, the Good Shepherd, to fully embrace this truth 
And I just want to thank you, God, that we matter to you. That you saw the shepherds on the hillside and that your message came from them. I don't know why, but I'm blessed by that. And I thank you that common folk can know you well. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. I love you guys. I'm so proud of you. And I'm I'm really thankful to be uh, a part of your life and, and you a part of mine and how God is leading us as a church. It's just it's a powerful thing. Let's go through these next few weeks really open and sensitive to what God is putting in us to both say and do. Lord, we do adore you and we thank you that we can walk from this facility into a world that needs this message, the very light of God. They need to know the shepherd. Send us to introduce them and send us also as messengers of this truth. We love you in your name. Hey, I'd like for our prayer teams in both auditoriums to be available up here if they would come now. And uh, I, I bless you. I encourage you. I, I pray strength upon you as you face the challenges of everything going on in December. Okay? And uh, remember I've said the last few weeks, the service starts now. God bless you.